I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Reality Renner with Mitch and Mark. Mark, first week of Mitch and Mark Home Shop in Newport. Done and dusted, and we survived. It was pretty darn exciting. And it was pretty huge. We had so many people from the local community, but other people from around Sydney. And even Sydney came up from interstate to come and say hello. It was, it was just amazing, overwhelming. I actually feel like we've just done another round of the block, Mark. I was, I was waiting for Scotty to yield tools down so we get, could grab a break. I think I had fingers crossed he would be calling tools down. Anyway, we got through. I'm, I'm feeling a, a little tired, but it's very exciting. And speaking of exciting stuff, our podcast with Shelley Horton last week was very well received to say the least, Mark. Thank you to everyone who's been tuning in, listening, subscribing and giving us reviews. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been feedback that we liked because it was positive. (laughs) It was positive, which is good. We love to hear the positive. And not that it's a competition, but last week we made it into the Telegraph's top 10 podcast of the week. Woohoo! I know. That is so exciting. But we have another really interesting... Well, this is a couple. This is... You know, one of the guests you will probably know from a profile and his wife, who was a bit of the power behind the man, really. We are talking about Manu and Clarissa, Manu Fidel and Clarissa Fidel. Mitchie, what's really exciting is Channel 7 announced Manu is coming back as the judge on MKR in 2022. Yeah, My Kitchen Rules returns with Manu, which is super exciting, but it's a mystery as to who is going to be joining him. Who is it? People keep thinking we're the judges on the block. Do we? Could we be the judges on MKR? <laughs> That'd be fun. No. <laughs> no, no, I don't let's, think so. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, Mark, you know what? Talking to Manu, I've known Manu for, I, I'd say, 20 years now. But there were some things that Manu shared that I was really sort of shocked by. And actually, it was hard to hear. Um, yeah. As a friend, it's difficult to hear when they're having a really tough time. And years ago, he talks about some of that in this interview. Yeah, the tough times it took to get him to be where he is today. But And along that way, uh, one of his biggest saviors was his wife, Clarissa. Uh, Clarissa yes. has helped him get his life together. And um, Clarissa has become kind of the, let's call her the brains behind <laughs> the operation. She's the brains of the operation. Sorry, Manu, but I think she might be. I thought it was interesting how they both came from different countries and they had a different journey to Australia. One ended up in Perth, the other ended up in Sydney, and yet they ended up finding each other. And I love those sorts of sliding door stories. And you might be surprised to find out who is the cook of the family. And it ain't Manu. (laughs) The real cook. When we had our chat with Manu and Clarissa, they only had one body microphone and one set of earpods which they were sharing. So sometimes if it sounds like Manu has got Clarissa shoved down a drain pipe, we apologise for that, uh, but I can guarantee you she was not. Anyway, we're so excited to have Manu and Clarissa join us today. Um, Clarissa, looking back on reading everything online, I only know what I know from you. You're a, you're a little bit more secretive than Manu. Manu, your great-grandfather, I think, was a pastry chef and you left school at 
15 to go and work in your dad's restaurant? Grand- grandfather was a chef. My dad was a chef and, and myself, yeah. So there's such a history and such a depth in French cooking for you. Yeah, the, my whole family is in cooking. So we've got professional chefs, but the, even the rest of the family are charcutier. My cousin is a chef. But even, even my mom was an amazing cook because her dad was an amazing cook. So everyone in my family are in the food in some ways and somehow wine, cheese, the whole lot. But wasn't there also um, you joined the circus at one stage too? I didn't join the circus as such. I, I was in a circus school from the age of 13 to 16. And it's like, like other kids went to play rugby or soccer. I went to a circus school instead. So I learned a few tricks of the trades. Um, it, it is something that I was considering of doing when I was young. I loved entertaining, as you know, love making people laugh and so on. But, but then you made your way to, um, I think, was it London first? Yeah, I did London. I wow. was 18. I didn't speak a, a word of English. I had 500 pounds in my pocket uh, and I was a scared little uh, kid. That's a big journey. I mean, physically, it doesn't seem that long in terms of distance, but it's a big journey culturally. What drew you to go to London in face of all of that? I was a bit, uh, I, was a bit uh, I suppose, uh, angry with life, uh, being brought up by a single mother that was struggling. Uh, and I wanted to create my own life and, and succeed at something so I could go back one day and, and look after mom. That's pretty much why. And the opportunity, uh, there was a job opening in London and I went, yeah. I'm going to go there, regardless. And that's- oh, they, don't, they don't speak French. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when you landed, you, you arrived in London. You said it was a bit of a shock. What, what was that experience like at eight, 18? Is that right, 18? What was the shock? I, I, so my mom bought me my first ever suit, which was a mustard color suit. And I, I, I emptied on my bedroom. So I had four big bags of luggage, you know. But then it's when I landed that I, I just didn't know where to go and how to go and so on. So I jumped in a black cab. So from Heathrow to yes, Piccadilly yeah. Circus. That's a long journey. So I had 500 pounds. When I got to Piccadilly oh. Circus, I had 450 left. So I was <laughs> like, I, I think I've only got five days left on that money and I'm done. You know? And then I arrived in Piccadilly Circus. Streets are going crazy, cars everywhere. And I, I was just like a kid. Yeah on another planet, pretty much, and going, wow, you know, like, I, I was from a, a big town in France, but that's, London is it's much bigger, bigger town, and I, I was, excuse my French, but shitting myself, you know, it was scary, very scary. It would be very disorienting, like, you don't know where anything is, but you can't read to work out where anything is, because of the language is but it so worked. Different. But it worked out. The first year was pretty horrible, to be honest with you, work-wise. Uh, I was re- underpaid. I used to walk to work and walk back home 45 minutes its ways every day because I couldn't afford the bus. Uh, yeah, I was just mistreated, taking the mickey out of. I was young and, you know, and uh, the, the, the executive chef was just bullying me a little bit. And so it, it was hard in many ways. Like everything was just, I was crying on a daily basis. Like I used to write, let, there was no, uh, phone, iPhones or anything or computers at the time, you know, a laptop. So I used to write letters back home, like the, the old-fashioned way. And, I, and it's just putting a stamp on it and waiting for an answer to come 
maybe in five, six, seven days later, you know. So it's just it was just really tough, really, really tough. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know. As human beings, we're so social, and communication is such an important part of who we are. Being able to communicate and exchange, you know, what we're thinking and how we're feeling. I mean, you're kind of talking about going and being in a place where maybe if you can't communicate outside of yourself, it's like you're this lonely, insular being and having to write letters to hopefully get something back. And at 18, you know, trying to understand the world, understand yourself. And if you're, you said, driven by being angry about life, would it have been easier to have gone back? No, you, yeah. no, because I, I don't give up. Not no, even? I, it, was, it wasn't even a thought. Because your next step from from London was that was Australia, wasn't it? Yeah, so I stayed in London eight years. So I've made, I went up the ladder, I suppose. You know, I went from one job to another, and I was wow. a head chef at the age of twenty-two. So four years later, I was already running a restaurant. So I was working my box off, you know. So many. I have the image of this young eighteen-year-old isolated in terms of communication because you don't know the language. In four years. You went from that to then running the yeah. kitchen, the head chef. What's the drive that gets you there? I think it's 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 a hard question to answer because I think he's uh, being brought up by a single mother, not having a dad, and being angry. I suppose made me want to be the winner in uh, against the beach of a life. You know what I mean? I just didn't want a life to take over my, me. I want to take over life. So I was not going to let go. I was, I was, you know, I always look at life as a bo- boxing match and, it, and with many, many rounds. And if, it, if you lose one round, get up and start boxing again. And that's the way I look at life. And uh, yeah, and, and I'm 48 today and I still, yeah. still do that. We're still in the boxing ring. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> All the time, you know, with... with- the um, whole lockdown and the COVID situation, everything's been put in on hold, our business, all, all of that, you know, we everyone's been knocked down and we just have to learn different ways of picking ourselves up and I, keep on going. I, I used to be a very, very angry person for yes, a very long time. Very and angry. it's exactly why, because I was always trying, I felt like I was swimming against the current all the time, even though that was game places. There was always something that stopped me in the way, you know, and that makes me really angry, but angry in a way that I keep it in. I bottle it, I bottle it, I bottle it, and then suddenly the bottle, the, the cork of champagne just explodes, and I just went crazy. I, I'm, I'm a lot better today, if I may say so, uh, and because of Clarissa, because she's been patient with me and teaching me how to deal with, with myself and with things like this. But yeah, I've always been angry with life, like, Ugh. We've been together 10 years, and I think it's taken me nine years to get him to understand that it's good to have that anger because it gives him that drive. Because he's like that fire, that is who I fell in love with because I could see this fire in his eyes when he wants. But he cannot be angry all the time because um, is, he pushes himself to limits that he that doesn't allow him to move any. You know, you know he just, it does. He didn't have a limit. I'm very emotional in, in, very in, in emotional. every way. Yeah. I think it's interesting, Clarissa, what you were saying is seeing the other side of the anger is the passion is that this is so important 
and being able to see what that ang- anger can do. And I guess, you know, Manu, maybe it's that when we as human beings encounter our own anger or our own sense, sometimes of injustice, but that can also drive us to make things better. You know, and I remember saying to somebody once, you know, you're yeah. talking about some of the movements and for us as gay men, you know, that whole, the anger about how you feel, it's what you do with it to drive change, what you do with it to make things better. But it can be confronting to face your own issue, your own, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And self-destructing, you know, yeah. It's interesting hearing this, Manu, because I've known you for 18 years at least, and I've seen a lot of highs um, and I've seen some lows. When I've seen other chefs get a negative review, they dust off. But when I've seen you get negative reviews, you take it very personally. I can't take a critique that's valid. I can't take a critique that's, that makes no sense. You know, and, and that, I know what, what, which player you're talking about. But that critic mm-hmm. that I received that, that was a personal it was a personal stab in the back and also it ended yes. up closing a restaurant that was just open. You know, so yeah. it takes a bit more to make me angry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I don't just get angry just because that was that yes. took me to a dark place for six months of my life uh, when when Charlie was just born and I was a horrible dad and a horrible husband. You know, uh, I was I was a monster. That was a long time ago, too. How how, how old's Charlie? Charlie's six. So yes, six years seven ago. years ago. Six years, yeah. Yeah, six right. years ago. He didn't let anyone in. He didn't let me in, and that was the frustrating part. So he became this person that was very angry and didn't know how to express himself because he didn't have anyone to express himself to. I feel like um, a failure as well. You know what yeah. I mean? So um, and he dealt with it by himself, which. You were the. You, there, you could have walked there. away from me, and it would have been harder. You stayed behind me. Because, that's what happened. Yeah, but that's because I knew that it was going to pass. That all I needed to do is to to remind him, I'm here. I'm just here. You do what you need to do. I'm just here. Let me know what you need when you need it. And eventually, we kind of. Um, you know, got through it, and um, and just life moves on. That makes me very sad. I feel like I I was I should have been a better friend. Nah, everyone everyone goes through ups and downs in life, and of of course, if you've got a bunch of mates, it's easier. But in that time, no no one could help me. I was really down down in a dark dungeon. Um, I, I mean, I, even my kid, my newborn kid, couldn't help me. So you know, I mean, it was just. Yeah. I couldn't stand her crying. It was the whole, the whole lot. I was just. It was like, almost Ugh. he had like the um, prenatal depression. Like, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what he had. But I didn't have it. And he had it when Charlie was born. Um, because it was his life was changing. You know, he lost a restaurant. I was different to him because I was a mother now, and I was. You know, I I had to treat him differently. I wasn't there for him all the time because I had a child to look after. So, but I, I don't know if people understand as well. And I know, I know we, I know today we talk about uh, uh, sex equality between men and women in a relationship. But deep down, the man always thinks that he needs to carry the burden of 
paying the bills and 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 looking after the family, the, the wife and the kid. And that's not going to change. It doesn't matter what rules we make in life. I think the man has always that burden over his shoulder. And that's what upsets me when I can't look after my, my, my family. It upsets me. And I feel like a failure. And that's... And, we talk about all the chefs that, you know, you guys know that took their lives yes. in the last yes. few years. And that's exactly why they do it. Because yeah. they feel like like they're not good enough. Yeah. It's, it's hard gig. That's a hard, that message is so strong. As you were talking, I thought, there's often people say freedom of speech means I'm entitled to say anything. And we, you probably, I'm sure you've had it too. We've had it say social media, people will say things about you. They don't know you. They've never met you. And they hide behind this, I'm entitled to my opinion. And I I personally struggle with that because I don't hear people say I'm responsible for my opinion. And listening to you, Manu, as a result of an opinion from somebody with whatever the driver was for them, whatever happened, do they understand the ripple effects? Do they understand? The repercussions. They didn't care. Yes. That's my problem. And, exactly. that, and, and I get very passionate about. That person still take the piss out of me 10, six years later, you know, that journalist is still as a go at me for a laugh. And that stuff to me is you are not entitled to me. You're not entitled to free speech just because you exist. You're entitled to research and an informed opinion and you are required to be responsible for your opinion. You can't just go out there and blab anything you want just because you breathe. We're supposed to be evolved human beings. And so listening to you and, you know, as Mitch said, Mitch has known you a lot longer than I've known you, but I've known both of you. That journey is horrific and to feel so isolated in there and so angry at yourself and feeling like every every sign around you is saying you're not okay but you know there's a there's a positive part of this mm-hmm. you know every, every negative lesson in your life is a positive lesson in your life you know you and that's why i try to to bring that message when i speak to people is is even though that i've struggled even though that i was angry and i lost restaurants or whatever I can see myself today as a new person and say I've learned things. So five years ago, it would have been a completely different story. You know what yeah. I mean? So I've changed. I've moved on. I grew, I've grown a little bit as well. So I don't regret I don't regret what's happened to me in any ways because it made me who I am today, full stop. It's, it's funny, Manu. I, I remember younger, the younger myself and the younger Mark and I, our values of what made us successful were more were way more tied to to wealth and possessions, and now we've got to the stage where what we want out of life is enough. And also, if things don't go right, we now know that nobody dies. <laughs> Mitch, you make a you make a really valid point when you say enough. Enough is a great word. We've got enough. Yeah. You know, I, I say this to my, I mean, how often do I say it? Every, I think since I've, yeah. been, I've always, I wake up and I say, I've, I've got enough. For both yin and yang, he's the accelerator and I'm the brakes. Yeah. Pretty much. So, you know, it, he wants, you know, let's get a big house with a, with, with a pool. And not because he wants the wealth of it. He wants the family 
to have this because he's successful. He wants the family to have these luxuries in life that he can provide for. But we have enough. I really like, Clarissa, that term enough. It is. And I think the lockdown experience for us is we are every day with each other. We're working together so closely. Like you said, sometimes that's new. I'm sorry for you, Mark. This morning in the I shower. I told him he has enough. I'm new in the shower this morning. I said to Mark, enough, enough. okay, enough. <laughs> oh my god, we go. Clarissa, oh, you're the yeah. intel I can tell Clarissa's Clarissa and I will bond. Poor another fucking margarita for God's Actually sake. true. I, I know we should have you know what? We should have made some margaritas yes. and drank it while we were That is one time when we're not drinking. We had margaritas yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> we're not drinking yeah. today. I think that's one time we could use the word enough. It's like it's enough for Clarissa, it's enough. But I I really like yeah. that I that concept of enough. It, it's enough. And I think lockdown maybe for us has been, you know, we are enough. We enjoy being with each other. If this is what life is, is it enough? Yeah, it's good. So Clarissa, by this stage, Manu has now moved to Australia, an award, yes. an award-winning chef in London. He's now at Bilson's, uh, uh, with Tony Bilson and become uh, one hat, two hat. You got three hats at one stage, didn't you? Three hats. Three hats, three hats, three hats yeah. in a row. So that yeah. drive. Can I ask people, why did you come to Australia? London was just getting too hard. You know, in London is um, underground kitchens. You go, uh, you wake up in the morning, it's dark. You go home, it's dark. It's cold, it's windy, it's raining. Summertime only lasts two weeks. And I just wanted, I worked with a lot of Australians back in London at the time and they were uh, uh, drawing me this beautiful picture of the country, and I went, "That's that's the place I've got to go to." And I I got I got here, and I never looked back. I've been here twenty one years. So you're here, uh, and now three headed chef, Clarissa. Where are you at this point? You're in the jewelry business. Yes, yes. So I was in Perth, in Western Australia, in the jewelry business. Then I moved from Malaysia, from Kuala Lumpur to. Perth when I was 19, 20, to do university. Mum and dad thought that that was the, the overseas was the closest place to, to still be close to home, which was only five hours away by flight. And then um, basically being an Asian, in an Asian family, they didn't want me to go very far and they wanted me to do my business uh, major. And that was it. And I didn't come back with a business major. I <laughs> came back with a social science major. <laughs> and my parents didn't know about it. So, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, during on graduation, that was when they found out I graduated in social science. <laughs> and <not business> a <laughs> young Malaysian woman came to Perth who is clearly strong-willed because she just didn't tell her parents she was not going to study business. She was going to do her own thing. But what was the experience like to come to Perth? Look, we in in Malaysia, we were very, very, very protected and protective parents. My parents, I didn't do a lot. We weren't allowed to go with our friends um, on uh, a trip anywhere. Like I hadn't left home at all until the day I left to go to Perth. Wow. So that was the first time I've ever left home. So it was, yeah, it was pretty scary. I stayed at uni. Um, but doing business, we had a lot of Malaysian uh, students there, so there was a there was a big community of Malaysians there. So it didn't feel as sort of 
outcast as I thought I would there. Then I worked in um, the jewellery industry for about 10 years in Perth and my company was going to open a flagship showroom in Sydney, in the city, and they said, you know, we want you to do that for us and sent me here for two years. And then life, you know, as they say, life uh, happens when you're making plans and, you know, Manu came along and we got married. 
uh, Art Deco, like concrete walls, like thick concrete walls. It was it was that we we kind of uh, bought the furniture together. We bought yeah. some uh, some thick from from Bali, um, the tables, the chairs, the whole lot, blah blah blah, and we did our own thing there. But so when we bought this house, uh, Charlie was born already, and we were obviously renting in Edgehill. And the owners decided to sell the place that we were living in, so we had to move quite quickly from where we were. Buying, a, you know, the first house ever. The, the one thing we both wanted was a big kitchen. We, that was the even when we first looked for our um, apartment, it was the kitchen first that we had to say yes to before the rest of the house. So when we got this place, it was half done, and we saw the kitchen, and it was it's an open plan home, and the kitchen was not quite what we wanted, but but. Good enough. Good enough. Yeah, it was a it was a nice kitchen. My my dream kitchen, uh, if I may, jump in, is that you know the islands. Yes. There's often a sink there. Yep. And I prefer the sink against the wall. Totally. And then I like and I like the the the, the cooking uh, appliances to be on that island. So where we're sitting now, we're in the island. The stove would be here. So when you cook and you've got friends having a glass of wine, you can talk and cook at the same time. And the crap, which is the, the sink and the, the pots and pans, should be against the wall. So that's what I wanted. But the the, the plumbing was already yeah, done, so we couldn't switch yeah. it around. It would have cost a lot of money to change it around. But that's a, that's definitely one of my pet peeves. When people put the sink in the island by choice. We've done that twice on the block. I've, I've done it twice. I, I don't agree with though. I think this it's, is... It's in the middle of the okay, room. Can I just ask? But I, I mean, I love that concept. I really do. But what about when you're frying things and all the oil is splashing and you don't have a splash bag? What, what there is. You can... There's now... Um, what do you call it? Uh, um, you can now get the extractor that's in the cooktop. Thank, and people thank you very much. Would it would have, would have seen on our um, the blockhouse that we did in 2021. The kitchen, we actually used an induction cooktop that had built-in extractor that extracts down into the cabinet so it doesn't go up above you. So you can do it on island bench tops. But we have done on blockhouses a sink in the island on both blockhouses because that's what people want. Personally, when Mark and I have done houses for ourselves, the sink is at the back so that all the shit after dinner is not sitting on the island bench. It's yeah. all right. And if you have a butler's pantry, this... a butler's pantry is about having a big sink so you take everything out the back and if, and if you're entertaining, you can have someone there helping with your cooking. It can all be happening at the back and all the crap stays at the back and the kitchen stays lovely. In terms of, I think, in terms of the design, thinking of kitchen, kitchen being the heart of the home, kitchen kitchen cell houses i guess i have two questions for, for you guys given the different styles of cooking that you grew up with french style and malaysian style would you look for different things in the kitchen are there different design elements that you require yeah, so we've yeah. we've we've got so the kitchen cupboards are split in in parts so oh, you know, really? it's asian stuff yeah. on one side and my so uh, our pantry is asian and yeah. european wow why is that so because it's when Clarissa cooks, she goes to hers and she knows where things are. When I go cook, I go to mine and I know where things are. 
the ideal uh, the ideal for me in Asian cooking would I would love to have an outdoor kitchen. That would be my my ultimate. Every Asian every, houses have got an inside and, kitchen and, and an, an outdoor outside kitchen. kitchen. I so didn't in, know that. At home, we have an indoor kitchen where mum just does the baking or anything that doesn't splash. And then she's got the outdoor kitchen where she fries her. All the, the sambal and the all sambal. the yeah, yeah. It's out the back and it's a wet kitchen. So you can, you can hose the kitchen and clean it. So that would be my ideal where you can stir fry stuff. You can do whatever you want and then just hose it down and that's left there. So if you were doing a house to flip in an area where there's a big Asian community, if yeah. you did an outdoor kitchen, that means you've got an edge. Absolutely. Yep. Wow, yep. I never knew so that. So that's really interesting. You know, we've we've done lots of kitchens and we've done two kitchens on the block and we've had judges come in and judge them. And listening to you, I think, they're judging based on a European experience of cooking. Mm. But if it was not a European experience of cooking, what would you have in that kitchen? I'd, it'd be interesting, Clarissa, to have you judge a kitchen to go, what would I need extra to be able to cook well, the style that I cook? A, a, walk, a, walk. a walk burner. Yeah. You have to have, have to have a walk. So most are whether we stir fry, deep fry, shallow fry, Anything is in a walk. But listening to what you were saying, Manu, thinking about that kitchen island where for you cooking while you're talking to people is ideal and then, Clarissa, you would be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. Is it because they're different styles of cooking? Yeah. That wouldn't work. We don't. Yeah, but also in Asia we don't. They don't entertain the cooking. We don't entertain while we cook. We Uh, cook. uh, You know, it's quite different. I mean, I'm used to, I've been here for 26 years, so I'm used to the whole entertaining while I'm cooking. But in Asia, if you go, the food's already been done. Yeah. Yep. And it's sitting outside and it just needs to be reheated to bring it in. Yeah. Ah, so such a difference. So that influences how we would set up our kitchens. You know, the example of a kitchen island where there are stools where people can sit and drink and talk while you're cooking is not a kitchen design that you would have in Malaysia. No. No. Yeah. So, yeah. W- so when you guys bought this, your first home, how did you transform from being a house that you were moving into into your home? What did, what did you bring as far as style goes? And is it a combined style or both your style? But what do we call it? We're oh, it's eclectic. Eclectic. <laughs> there's, there's a Chinese cupboard at the front. There's modern kitchen. There's stick from Bali. There's a very expensive sofa over there. Like it's it's all it's pieces that we like. Yeah, we think it goes well here. We look at it going, yeah, yeah. Some people are coming and go very eclectic here, you know. Um, but 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 it's interesting. People people talk to us about styling a home, and for and we've worked with a, a lot of different people bringing their homes together. And if your house is eclectic, it's about making that as best you can for you because it's a home. It's not, and it reflects you, not a showpiece. I think the only thing we're always at issues is because it's an open plan home, right? So you can see everything in one. It's not a compartment that you can clean up. It's the whole place that you need to clean up. And we have four bedrooms um, and downstairs is our spare room but it is constantly filled with 
It's like a garage. It's like a garage. But if there's one thing you could change, what one more room? Uh, we just need one more room for a playroom where we can chuck all the kids stuff because that is the only part when I clean up, I say, I wish I could just take all of this and chuck it and put it somewhere. Saying that, we can do that in our spare room now. I mean, we can't invite anyone here anyway for the next few years. It's a good point, man. What we're noticing is people are repurposing spaces now, like the classic work from home. So, you know, two years ago, most of us had a desk or something in the, the house, but it wasn't the same as in 2021 where people were really thinking, I have to have a home study. I have to have somewhere people can work from home. So we're repurposing spaces now. Maybe there are different storage solutions to get things up and on shelves to clear stuff out or like we're trying to do. We don't do it very well. Yeah, so there's five bedrooms in this house. There's two of us live here. And we were talking about the renovation, keeping the five bedrooms. And I only said to Mark the other day, we, we don't need five, and most families don't need five. Let's take another bedroom off the main bedroom level and give ourselves a huge, beautiful room with a massive walk-in closet and just cut it back to four. It's mm. about doing mm. house to suit us. I want the closet. I he want needs, the closet. You want the closet. I thought you got out of the closet. <laughs> oh, stop it. He's just back in there trigger. often getting himself changed. <laughs> hey, um, the other thing I was thinking with renovation, you guys have La Botanique. Yes. You did. You worked and on that. Was a reno, wasn't That's it? a renovation. You built yeah, it. Yeah, uh, that 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 was uh, a huge, huge renovation because La Botanique was a warehouse. Uh, when I say warehouse, like a, a like a, a garage, four walls, four walls concrete. Yeah. You know, like fully for fixing cars and you know whatever it was, and we've turned it to this amazing multifaceted business where we've got a fully commercial kitchen, uh, a beautiful filming kitchen, beautiful bar with zinc and um, with, with the polished concrete, the, the brick walls are um, the original brick walls where we strip the paint off, the office upstairs. I guess that's where you can see, that's where we've put what we our wish list was is there. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The island has the cooking. That's where we cook. And the and sink is at the back. It's all of what Manu envisaged that it that he wanted in our home is at La Botanic. So I said to Clarissa the other day, you know, if if we struggle with money, we sell this house and the profit of this, we just build a couple of bedrooms at the warehouse and we've got an amazing home. <laughs> With a commercial kitchen, yeah. When it came to designing the kitchen manner, you know, you're a man who knows kitchens, Clarissa, you clearly, you know kitchens. How did you decide the design process? Did somebody help you with the design process and the finishes? And The equipment part of it made complete sense for me. So commercial and, and filming kitchen. So let's talk about the filming kitchen. I designed the kitchen that I wanted to have in my house. After that, the look of it was wood. Obviously, I love wood, but uh, I wanted to, to have a, a kitchen that was vibrant but also could be filmed uh, and look good on camera. I've got a couple of last things I want to ask you. You've given yeah. us so much time. One of those things for both of you, what would be your favourite French dish and what would be your favourite Malaysian dish? 
Wow. Mm, French dish. <laughs> menu. <laughs> menu. Menu. Really, menu is your favorite French dish. <laughs> With a bit of chocolate sauce, you know? Look, for me, I, I guess I wouldn't call it a dish. I, I just utterly enjoy having all the French cheeses. I just, cheese and bread for me is, I could live on that. So, so for me, the French, for, you know, the French cuisine would be cheese for me. And so, yes. Yeah. And I, I can't give you one dish, guys. I'm sorry, yeah. but I, I, I love, you know what? Can I tell you something? Clarissa does 70% of the cooking here, if not 80. And firstly, because she loves feeding her family. That's, it's not a chore. It's like she loves doing it. But secondly, our food is so good. Why should I cook? You know? yeah. uh, but rendang, laksa, chakwetiao, satay. Yeah, I could I could go on and on. Like frankly, like even even fried rice. Uh, Clarissa calls it the 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 empty the fridge dish. But it's uh, it, even when she does a fried rice, it's just amazing. I have another question, actually, if I can. I met you because of your magnificent cooking, and. Yeah. To me, you seem to um, hold Clarissa on a pedestal with cooking, but you don't you don't honor yourself the same, but you deserve well, to. Listen, cooking in a, in a restaurant and cooking for a living and cooking for uh, fine dining, I suppose, is is a different world. Um, I, just, I love cooking and I will always love cooking. My life has kind of changed. 13 years ago when I started doing TV, my kitchen rules took absolutely my whole life, yeah. my family life. I was on the road for six months of the year. Like, so for me to be able to run a restaurant and do that at the same time, which we did for a couple of years of that, was becoming so difficult. Yeah. Now, one job paid better than the other. Yeah. I want you guess the yeah. one it is. Yeah. So I've decided to keep on doing TV. And then as that happened, the restaurant world in Australia is starting to suffer, mm. okay? So the rent is going higher every year. The staff is more expensive every year. The price of food goes higher every year. So the margins are going smaller and smaller. So my interest of owning a restaurant again is not really there because I'm not lazy. I'm not not loving cooking anymore it's just if it's the business it doesn't really work anymore so i've decided to reinvent myself i suppose so the tv uh it's been a bit light this this year from first but for me uh, just because that's where it is but uh, there's a lot of other things that you know i've got my sauce products in supermarkets we've got la botanique that's what i'm putting my teeth into now yeah. the cooking is always going to be there thank you so much i feel like we've gone on a bit of a journey and i've learned things i didn't know about you guys and yet we've known each other for a while what i find interesting is both of you at around the age of 18 or 19 left home to, for different reasons and look at your journeys now if you went back now and you had a chance to have a chat to that 18 or 19 year old back then if you went back and spoke to that person what would you think would be something that would help them on the journey just follow your dreams 
follow your dreams because even though even though I've made a lot of mistakes that I would maybe want to change, I can't change those because whatever I would change would change the present today. So the younger me, I would tap him in the shoulder saying, just continue what you're doing. Just follow your dream, buddy. Yeah. And Clarissa? I think for me, it's more just, I, I didn't have a hard life. You know, my parents paid for my education. I, um, what I would take back to my 18-year-old is that family, like they stood by me even at times where I wasn't a very nice person to them and to tell that your family is it's the core of who you are and it's going to be there forever. That's what I teach Charlie, that no matter how angry you are with your parents, they're still going to be your parents and they're going to be there. Don't you dare be a little bitch to me at 18 like I was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because I, I was one. Yeah, because I, I was terrible. I was a terrible little, you know, 18-year-old that wanted to leave home and didn't want my parents to even, you know, like I'm big now. I'm, you know, I'm 18. I can live my own life, but I need your money. <laughs> yeah, I was the same. <laughs> hey, let's um, flip it around. We've asked you a million questions. Um, ask us anything. You like nothing off the table. Can you please come to our house and read? Yes, we would do and, that. And just get rid of get rid of everything. Don't show it to us. Just get rid of it. Let's Actually, come along and that. play. Just rip the place apart and start you again. Mean we come in and you go out for a day and we just work with what you have. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty well, much. not for a day. I think you're going to need more than a day. <laughs> <laughs> you're, well, you're in Malabar. Yeah, Marubra. 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 Same, same. That would be fun. Glass of wine. Well, actually, Marubra must... We'll cook for you. Marubra must be more upscale than Malabar because Colin and Jane are in Malabar, so Marubra must... (laughs) (laughs) They've got a swimming pool, though. No, that's true. Oh, yes. We're we're all jealous. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thank you for having us. I don't know that many people know that Manu trained as a clown, Mark, but I don't think a lot would be surprised either because he's a bit of a clown. He is a bit of a clown. We are so appreciative. Manu and Clarissa, they gave us a lot of time. They're very generous with their time sitting, sharing with us some pretty you know, intimate and pretty heartfelt moments. And I don't think I really understood, you know, how Manu talked about being so low when he was a young chef in London. So those sorts of things are really tough to hear. And, you know, he talked about how angry he'd been through through parts of his life. What we want our listeners to know is sometimes listening to these sorts of things, if they impact you or they bring up any issues, please know that you can be supported through places like Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Q Life. Uh, we'll leave those details in our notes. So if you do feel you need to reach out and get some assistance, these services are available to you. On that, Manu and Clarissa, big hugs and much love. Thank you so much, guys. They've got their new new um, place, La Botanique. So if anyone's interested, it's an event venue down in Botany. Yep, check it out, Botany, New South Wales. That's it from us. Please keep the ratings and reviews coming. They have been great for us to read after a long day at the shop. Please don't forget to tell all your friends, family and colleagues about Reality Reno and we will see you again next week. Bye now. See ya. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.